InvestTalk listeners ask Steve and Justin what they use for their winning investment research. And the answer is YCharts, quality data with easy-to-use tools. Start your free trial now at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. And thank you for joining us today on this Wednesday, November 7th edition of Invest Talk. And the election outcome is mostly known. The Democrats will take control of the House of Representatives, and the Republicans retain their hold on the Senate, which was pretty much what everyone had expected. Uh, really not a shock uh, if you look at the polling. Uh, so, you know, the market was up today, uh, interesting on the news, uh, but it should have been priced in, really. Now, tech stocks bounced back, and, you know, we're now testing the upper ranges of what now is resistance after the big drop in October. Uh, if you were on our Invest Talk, Academy session today, you will know that that's exactly uh, what uh, you know. I explained exactly you know why that's the case. All right, so that's the uh, that's the long and short of it. I'm Justin Klein, and I welcome you to Invest Talk, the weekday financial program that has one clear objective: is to help you grow and protect your investments. And of course, we welcome your phone calls, your questions at 888 chart That's 888-992-4278. Now, our objective each and every weekday is helping grow and protect your investments. And if you have any free time over the next couple days, I invite you to check out our new online training experience like I just talked about, Invest Talk Academy. It debuted last Thursday. Uh, Steve's doing Thursdays. I'm doing Wednesdays. We switch off. So last week, uh, basically, Steve did the lesson. This week, I did it on Wednesday. Next week, Steve will do it on Thursday, and so on. We'll go back and forth. So we're looking forward to making Invest Talk Academy a valuable learning tool for serious investors, and you can learn more about it at investtalkacademy.com. Now, investors were bullish following the midterm election results, probably due to the belief that gridlock is what will allow for a clearer picture going forward, right? The Republicans have been in control uh, over the past two years, the White House, the Senate, and the House. And so there's been the ability to kind of get done what they what they want, right? And now that the Democrats have control of the House of Republicans, House, House of Representatives, sorry, there will be pushback on a lot of Trump policies and any legislation that's trying to be pa- trying to be passed, and the odds are it's not going to be extreme if it is passed. Anything that is that will change the landscape of the economy or uh, certain sectors will likely be denied. Okay, 
and the Dow uh, had a strong rally. The, 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 the S&P had a strong rally. Amazon and Caterpillar shares gained. And Walmart, who is competing strongly with Amazon Online uh, in the grocery space, also had a pretty good day. So I'm going to look at Walmart versus Amazon story in just a few minutes. Before I get to that, let's make time for a caller question. You know our number. It's 888-99-CHART. Hi. I have a question on uh, leveraged ETFs. I've been trading these back and forth in these crazy markets and was wondering if I have any risk of these guys going out. I mean, you're talking about derivatives and stuff. Do I have any concern there? Thank you. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, these are ETFs that are backed by large counterparties uh, that have uh, that that own the assets. You know, they're being managed. It's not like they're moving up and down in price just on a whim. Uh, these actively trade the underlying assets that will give it the performance that's the goal or that's the the job of the those that are running these leverage ETFs uh, and I like what you said about trading them because that's what you should be doing these are trading vehicles only these are not long-term investments and that goes with any of leveraged ETF that you might be looking at so great call love the question uh, glad you're thinking about it uh, you know in a, a huge market catastrophe you might have some issues with it but I really don't think so overall I think you're in good good hands as long as you use it as a trading vehicle only now the Walmart versus Amazon battle is heating up and we found the story at supermarketnews.com Walmart is set to report earnings November 15th a couple weeks away and the shares of the retailer have bounced 11 percent since their October lows and Walmart is showing strong consumer data. They're competing much better on the online segment versus Amazon, and they've made some acquisitions like Jet.com in recent years. And uh, they, they, part of that was bringing over the CEO of Jet.com, who they put in charge of their online division, and that has certainly helped them. Now, Walmart has surpassed Amazon in the online grocery grocery sales business. So that's kind of big. And Walmart is best positioned to continue to take mind and market share from Amazon going forward. Now, in recent years, Walmart has quickly shifted gears into refocusing on gro a growth strategy from their brick and mortar to e-commerce. They've challenged Amazon and big supermarket change, chains. They're bringing online grocery delivery to 100 metropolitan areas, which is, is big. Uh, and that's just the start. As of late September, it offered online grocery delivery services in over 50 markets and more than 2,000 grocery pickup locations. By the fiscal year close in January, the company projects that it will have 2,140 grocery pickup sites in 430 markets, covering 69% of households. So Amazon or is that Amazon Walmart is looking at Amazon saying where is Amazon weakest even though they bought Whole Foods where do does Walmart have an advantage over Amazon and they've been doing groceries a lot longer than Amazon has and 
and I think this is only going to continue. I think Walmart has a good or Walmart has a good strategy for competing against Amazon, and they're starting with groceries, and I think they'll eventually uh, go into other areas of the marketplace as well, which they do already, but more aggressively with more uh, thrust behind them. And that's when I've said I did a Invest Talk views last year about what companies could really compete with Amazon, what companies could handle the Amazon onslaught, and I said Walmart and Target, I think, were the top two. Now, if you have any questions uh, about different sectors, about uh, you maybe need help with your overall portfolio, call our 888 chart number. You can ask your question live, or if you want more detailed uh, help, uh, that's what Steve's doing today up in the Bay Area. He's talking with uh, listeners and current clients. And I encourage you to reach out to Steve and myself at our KP office in Dana Point, California. You can send us a message through investtalk.com as well. And now I invite you to ask us your financial and investing questions. I'm Justin Klein. I'm happy to be here today for Steve. And I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. As an investor, you witness the volatility of October. And going forward, November and December may also have their share of market swings. So to prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design, something with the right mix of strategic investing programs to manage their portfolio. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can quickly see what you may be missing at investtalk.com. Okay, the phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Wendy in Chino Hills. How you doing, Wendy? Good. How are you, Justin? Fantastic. You're looking at Camping World Holdings. Yes. Can you do a fundamental and technical analysis also? Uh, talk about like the sector uh, that companies in see uh, the future of the that sector if it's uh, good. Okay, this is Camping World Holdings. They operate 122 retail locations and provides a portfolio of services, protection plans, products, and resources. Uh, let's see. They sell recreational vehicles, so uh, they sell a lot of RVs. Okay, and yeah. it operates its product service through Sam's, or sorry, Good Sam and Camping World brands across the U.S. It's about a $1.6 billion market cap. And this is actually a sector that I look at for strength in the economy and an early look at strength in the economy. And this is a name that rolled over hard back earlier this year. It's 52-week high, get this, is $47.62. Today, it's at $18.19 a share. So it's down 62% from its 52-week high. And it just recently went IPO back in 2016. So they, my, my big issue here is they have a good amount of debt. Right, enterprise value is 3.5 billion, and if you were on our Invest Talk Academy class today, I explained enterprise value, and market cap, and the capital structure, etc. But they have about two billion dollars in debt. I don't like that. That's a lot of debt for a company who has only 68 million in free cash flow. 
I, I don't, I just, that's a lot of debt for this uh, company and it's a very cyclical business, right? Earnings per share is down 14% year over year. Uh, uh, by other metric, 36%. Re revenue was up, only up 6% last quarter. Uh, so yields 1.8%. I don't think they can really afford that dividend uh, over the long term with that level of debt because of how cyclical they are. Their payout ratio is 80%. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very high. And their cash dividend payout ratio is negative, meaning they aren't producing the cash flow to pay that dividend. So I'm not a fan. Even though the enterprise value to EBITDA is only seven, I still don't like it because of how cyclical it is and how much debt they have. Okay. What about like the for a technical term, like uh, the trend? Is it still like the whole thing is a downtrend? Well, if you look at a longer term chart, it's absolutely in a downtrend. Uh, it is below its low back in 2016, around when it IPO'd. You know, IPO'd uh, around the, the low 20s, rallied into that. 47 or yeah, 47 and change number in uh, early part of this year, and now rolled over hard. Continues its downtrend. I don't see this abating. To be honest with you, I think it's going to continue its downtrend. I, I I see nothing positive technically about it either. So uh, I'm giving it a solid no on both fronts. Thanks for the call, Wendy. That was C W H Camping World Holdings is the name of the company and once again I think that's a good indicator of what the economy is doing it's a good early indicator are RV sales rising or are they falling now today's main talking point we're talking about mortgage applications drop to a four-year low as interest rates hit an eight-year high and housing supply is increasing as affordability is decreasing and I'll give you my perspective, and if you're on our Invest Talk Academy class today, you'll uh, you'll 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 see the charts. But I'll give you uh, a, a kind of a, a history lesson on month supply of homes and what that means for the economy. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have a singular mission here, and it's to help you grow and protect your investments by showing you how to become a better investor. Now, to get started, I encourage you to take our free risk tolerance quiz at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, and I'm ready to take your questions now, so give us a call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and Steve Peasley is in Northern California today conducting personalized portfolio reviews. Now, you might not be able to sit down with Steve in San Jose today, but you can reach out to him or Justin to request your free portfolio review. Start now at investtalk.com. Okay, you've got finance and investment questions, and you can get unbiased answers if you call now, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to John in San Jose. He's looking at AT and T. Yeah. You there, John? Yes. Hi, Justin. How you doing? Yeah, I have, good. How are you? Enjoy your show. I appreciate it. You want to? You're asking about AT and T, correct? 
Yeah, I wanted to get your opinion on uh, dividend safety of AT&T. Do you think the dividend is safe uh, moving forward? Well, uh, that's a great question. Now, if you're looking at any company, the first thing you have to ask is the stability of their business. When you're looking at dividend sustainability, right? Because that is what matters longer term. AT&T has been buying up uh, cable companies, uh, DirecTV they purchased. Uh, they make been making acquisitions. Uh, was it Time Warner? I believe they they, they recently purchased and. They are trying to get into the media game, maybe launching a, a Netflix competitor, things like that. Uh, and they have a lot of debt uh, in order to do that, or added a lot of debt in order to do that. Uh, their enterprise value is $400 billion, market cap 225 so they have about $175 billion in debt, which is a lot. Uh, but in relation to a company that does $164 billion in revenue over the trailing 12 months, you know their their debt is about equal to their revenue, which isn't crazy, especially for a company that has pretty good, uh, pretty good margins and pretty good track record of earning uh, money on their assets. Yields about six and a half percent. Payout ratio is thirty eight percent. Cash dividend payout ratio is sixty two percent. If you're watching on our YouTube live stream, you'll see that. So I think that's. Solid. That's 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 good. Uh, we own AT&T for uh, our clients and many of our strategies. We like AT&T. Uh, we like what they've been doing recently with their acquisitions and diversifying their business. Uh, I don't love the AT&T acquisition, but I like the Time Warner acquisition. Uh, so I'm a fan. Uh, we are a fan of AT&T. Enterprise value to EBITDA is only seven and a half. Solid. Uh, so we think it's it's a little bit undervalued at these levels, and we do think that dividend is sustainable long term. There is some risk to how executing on the strategy, etc. But I think their business is relatively stable, even in tough economic times. Because guess what? People want to pay. Uh, people are going to still going to use their cell phones. They're going to need that, and I think it's going to be very important as. 5G uh, comes on board, and we're going to rely even more on our cell phones and service providers like AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, T-Mobile, etc. over time. So I like AT&T, and I think the dividend is sustainable. Oh, great. That, that's a good analysis. Thanks. Thanks for those pointers. Now, do you see further downside to the stock? It touched 29 in recent downturn, and I think then it has come up to, I think, 30. Closer, closer to 31 now. Uh, do you yeah, see further downside? I, I, there possibly could be. Uh, I don't think there'll be. There's much more downside uh, past the the mid 20s. Uh, I actually think there's a lot of support around that 27, 28 number. Uh, so I don't think there's a ton more downside. I, I think we're actually trying to carve out a, a bottom in AT&T. There's uncertainty with the the merger and whether uh, the Department of Justice uh, kind of throws it out or whatever, but I don't actually think that's going to uh, eventually happen. So I'm I'm still think that uh, it'll go through and that will bring AT&T back up into the low to mid 30s and I still like it. Thanks for the call, John. Now today's main talking point, mortgage applications dropped to a four year low as interest rates hit an eight year high. And I'm going to talk about the numbers in relation to that, the, the, the market right now in relation to mortgage applications and what that means for the overall market and economy. 
I also want to touch on GDP. Is it a good number anymore to measure the economy? Measure how well a com country is doing, right? Because that's what GDP measures, gross domestic product. How much economic activity is happening within a particular country. But is that the end-all be-all? In many conversations it is, but a lot of people are starting to see a disconnect between GDP growth and their lives. So uh, I'm going to talk about a potential alternative better measure coming up later in the show. Also, a couple others if we have time. Financial education, financial literacy is very poor. Uh, one of the reasons we launched uh, Invest Talk Academy is to get people up to speed on all types of financial topics. Okay, and I'm going to talk about why it's so poor and what we can do to make it better as a country. And then lastly, the data that you provide, like Facebook, right, Google, things you search for, that data is worth a lot of money. Uh, so how you can capitalize potentially on getting a cut of that data as well. Now tomorrow on Invest Talk, the phenomenon of spending more money once you begin to make more money can have short and long-term financial consequences. How lifestyle creep can ruin your future. That story is tomorrow, and Steve will get to that when he's back. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions now at 888-99-CHART. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call InvestTalk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? YCharts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. YCharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use YCharts every day. YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YChart has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bloomberg Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious. Get YCharts. Have you visited InvestTalkAcademy.com? You should. 
It can help you learn to invest like a pro because it features online classes that can teach you how to grow your investments independently. And you can learn more at investtalkacademy.com. Have you got a question for Justin? He's here and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's talk a little bit about the report that came out today. Mortgage applications dropped to a four-year low as interest rates hit an eight-year high. Now, the average mortgage rate is now north of 5%, and that is an issue. Total mortgage applications fell uh, 4% last uh, month and is now down year over year and this is a a big issue and this is weighing on affordability Uh, and that is increasing increasing the month's supply of homes that a month supply of new homes sitting on the market is now over seven months and how they do that how they calculate month supply as they look at the total inventory out there in the marketplace, right? And then divide that by how many homes were sold last month. And you get an average, right? How long will how many months would it take at that level of sales to work through that inventory? Now that is a high number. Uh, the average is somewhere around six months, and now we're at seven. So what does that mean? It means two things. Home prices are going to fall, generally nationwide. There are pockets, you know, there are always specific pockets, specific reasons why certain areas do better than others. And some might hold up better than others. High priced areas, thinking Pacific Northwest, Seattle area, uh, Northern California, all of California, really the coastal areas mainly, uh, very high prices, especially the Bay Area is likely going to fall in price. You've already seen weakness. I think you're going to see at least, at least a 10% drop in prices there. I think 20 to 30 is very possible. Here in Southern California where I live, 5 to 10% is probably likely. I think 15 to 20 uh, is possible, okay, at least in the near term. Now, I don't know where mortgage rates are going to go a year from now. If they come back down to 4%, uh, the market will probably strengthen back up a little bit. Uh, but I don't think that happens unless the economy gets worse, right? So you're going to have that yin and yang. The house, I've been saying this for about two to three years now. If you're looking to sell a property, you want to do it sooner rather than later. If you're looking to buy a property, you want to be very judicious. You want to be very selective. And you need to have a holding time frame of a decade or more. Okay, So that's number one. Number two, this is going to affect the economy. Almost every time in the past 50 years when the supply of new homes reaches seven months or more, you get a recession relatively soon after. Now, is this the nail in the coffin? Say we're going to get a recession in, uh, in soon, maybe 2019? 
I'm not saying it's definitive, but it is a strong indicator. Very strong indicator. Okay, so understand that, and that's going to, if that happens, we have recession 2019, the stock market is absolutely going to have more downside to it. So I hope you understand the ramifications of a mortgage rate that is now 5.15 last week from 5.11 a week before. And this is for conforming loan balances, 453000 or less. Mortgage applications for refinancing are also down year over year, about 3% from a year ago. So we are in a time where we're in the heart of it. Uh, prices are going to weaken, market's going to weaken, and unless we see that supply start coming down again, which means if people need to take the uh, supply off the market, either by purchasing or the sellers need to take it off the market, which I don't see either of those two things happening, unless mortgage rates really come down and buyers start stepping back in. Let's go to John in Santa Cruz. He's looking at Constellation Brands. Hi, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it. So, yes, I'm thinking of buying it, uh, a position in Constellation Brands. I wonder what you think about the company. Okay. What, why do you want to buy it? Are you looking at the dividend? Or are you just like the industry? You like that? Alcohol tends to be anti-cyclical. What are the reasons for it? Uh, I like the dividend. I mean, it's not a super large dividend, but it's an okay dividend. And uh, I'm interested in that space uh, because, yeah, uh, it might be, it might do well in a recession. Um, so, yeah, it would be a one position I would buy, which is, you know, like maybe couple percent of my portfolio got it so constellation brands this is uh, in the alcohol industry beverage industry mainly beers wines and other spirits so they're kind of diversified uh, among a lot of different brands uh, I can't remember do you know the brands offhand what brands they own not exact no I don't but they have a huge portfolio, and then they also have been investing in Canopy uh, marijuana. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah, they did a they did a joint. They're doing a joint venture with them. Uh, I you know I, I think that's that's good that they're looking into that space uh, that they're open to new ideas and new ways to grow their business. I like that. Uh, enterprise value to EBITDA is about mm -hmm. eleven, which is not cheap, not expensive. Uh, its dividend looks sustainable. Let me look at the, the chart here because I think that's going to be, uh, to me, the finer ar arbiter of whether or not uh, I, I like the name. Uh, because okay. in this market, even though the numbers don't look terrible, and it is, in, in theory, uh, anti-cyclical, uh, there are some secular trends away from alcohol, right? With uh, like you talked about cannabis uh, and the fact that they're uh, looking uh, towards that. The, the big question is, do you really want to uh, hitch your ride to this uh, name? And are they going to maybe trip up and another or maybe another company is going to be the leader in uh, the, the cannabis drink uh, market. 
so just because they're the first mover, first one thinking about it, first one to partner with a company like, uh, was it Tilray or I don't know, oh, Canopy Growth is what it was, uh, doesn't mean yeah. that they're going to ultimately going to be the winner. Um, you know, to me, the chart does not look fantastic. Relative strength's 49. Um, you know, I, I'm okay. I, I, to me, it's just okay. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I can't really give you something one way or the other because there's too many unknowns about it. It's not relatively cheap by any stretch of the imag imagination, and the chart I just don't love. So I'm just kind of going to give you a eh. Let's go to Bill in San Mateo. Bill, you there? Yeah, Justin, thanks for taking my call. No problem. Uh, just a question. My brother is the trustee on our uncle's uh, trust, and mm -hmm. the uncle's in hospice, and he's quite elderly and doesn't have long to live, but he does have quite a substantial stock portfolio with a um, full-service brokerage and a broker he's had for a long time, and we would always kind of snicker mm -hmm. over the years and, and marvel at the kind of fees and commissions that were charged on buying and selling securities. So my brother was, the question was, when, when the uncle does pass, how do you, because uh, my, my brother wants to liquidate all the securities and distribute them among, among family, and how do you get yeah. the account away from him, uh, a discount broker, if you will, to get all those transactions handled in a more uh, cost-efficient manner? Are you talking about now while he's still alive or after he passes? Oh, after he passes, getting a stepped-up basis and then getting them those shares while getting them away from that full-service brokers and their high commission mm -hmm. and to, some, to a, a low-cost broker where you can liquidate the shares uh, more efficiently yeah. and more cost No, that's... Yeah, I've, I've been in your, your brother's situation, and you can actually do it now as long as the your uncle doesn't have the capacity uh, to make these decisions for himself, right? That is the goal of the trustee is to step right. in. The money can't be distributed because uh, it needs to be uh, kept for the care of your uncle until he passes. Um, but you don't actually have to wait. Typically, I mean, you have to look at the, the language within the trust, but typically you don't have to wait as long as uh, he's your, your your brother, who's the trustee. Uh, assuming he has full, you know, he's not the co-trustee; he's the full only trustee of the uh, trust to make that decision. He can actually liquidate it now and move it to another broker. You open an account in that trust name. That usually they need a copy of the trust or the name of the trust. Each broker is different on how they uh, what they require to open up a trust account. We manage trust accounts all the time for clients uh, because it's best for taxable assets to be within a particular trust. So you can open that at TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or Schwab or wherever you want and it just transfers, you can transfer the assets as is, you can tra you could you could go and to the current broker and say sell everything, we're moving the money and you could sell it all now, now that would create taxable issues uh, that you don't want to deal with. but. You could, you can still move that money today and the assets as long as they're not proprietary to the broker, which hopefully they're not, and move those assets to right. a new broker without any tax consequences. And still, when he passes, right. I, have I, that stepped-up basis. Right, I, and I think that that was the the, the thing since he's pretty, he's in mm -hmm. pretty bad shape. So I think that 
waiting till after his death and then moving the assets at the stepped-up basis was what my brother was waiting to do. Yeah. Well, like I said, you don't have to wait for him to pass. If he cannot make the decision on his own and your brother has the authority to make the, the, the to move the money into another account, he can do that and he does not have to wait and it does not change the stepped-up basis issue because you did not sell the securities. You simply just transferred them from one broker to another. Now, there might be a paper trail, trail issue and you got to make sure that's in line, but you don't have to wait until he passes he can move that money away from a high that that broker that you guys don't like before he passes and and still get that stepped up basis when he does pass does that make sense bill all right i guess that's it thanks for the call hope that clarified everything and uh I know those things can be complicated. Steve has a lot of extensive uh, experience with that, with a couple, his, I think his parents and his brother. Uh, I've done it with uh, uh, some of my family members. So I know it can be complicated. It's, uh, it can be seem overwhelming. And so don't, don't, don't just put it off. Really understand the situation that you're in and make sure before or after whoever your your trustee for passes that you are uh, abreast of what your options are that are best for your family member or whoever you're a trustee for as well as the beneficiaries after this is invest talk i'm justin klein and we stream and broadcast invest talk live in the four o'clock hour pacific time each weekday but it's our podcast is also available 24-7 via our archive podcast at investtalk.com. Be sure to subscribe to Invest Talk Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play as well. And take a second to rate and review. And now the lines are open. We are taking your finance and investing questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Vitaly in Atlanta. He's asking about General Electric. And Justin, thank you for taking my call. Love the show. Big fan of it. Appreciate it. Uh, now you're looking at GE. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, you wanted to buy it or I've, you own it or what? I've owned it for a while and I keep trying to, um, I guess, find a reason to keep holding it, but it just it's painful to hold, so I just want to get your opinion on it. I, I don't like GE. Uh, I, I've I've it, it's really a legacy business that has been destroyed by bad acquisitions, bad management, a bad portfolio of assets. It's the epitome of a conglomerate that became instead of efficiency between businesses, it created more inefficiency and more problems. Uh, and it was the epitome of empire building. That's one of the risks of acquisitions, right? When you're managing a, a company and you're the CEO of a company and you go, say you buy, have a $20 billion company and you go buy a $10 billion company, now you have a $30 billion company, right? Theoretically. And now you feel better. I'm, a, I'm the CEO of a much bigger company. And I'm build, and you do that over and over, and you build, build, build this huge company with huge revenues, and it's more to feed your own ego than it is making good, smart acquisitions for shareholders. 
That's what GE did. They did the exact opposite of what was good for shareholders, and they just thought they could plug any business into their machine and it would work, and it didn't. And their dividends been cut. They have a ton of debt. This is going to take years and years to get through. I would not own GE. I do not like GE. Move your money elsewhere. You're going to be much better off. Thanks for the call, Vitaly. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Our Wednesday show is wrapping up soon, but we do have about 10 minutes left in the program. And remember, we keep our anytime listener line open. Give us a call at 888 chart On the next Invest Talk, the phenomenon of spending more money once you begin to make more money. It can have short and long-term financial consequences. That story tomorrow. For now, Justin's here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Arvin in San Mateo. He's asking about Visa. Yes. Yeah, okay, you want, are you to looking to buy what, it? Do you own it? Yeah, I own it. And what do you think and uh, where is it heading to? Uh, I'm not a fan of, uh, uh, it depends on what you think what's happening to the economy. Uh, if you believe that we're near the end of the economic cycle, which I do, uh, especially if you look at uh, the, what I talked about earlier, the, the months of home supply, uh, you're looking at slowing uh, profits from corporations in the third quarter, and I think it's only going to exacerbate in the fourth quarter, uh, the cost of capital being high. Uh, Visa is a cyclical name. Now, uh, one thing I like about them is they do not have any debt. It's a very low debt business. However, they trade at a very expensive valuation, 23 times enterprise value to EBITDA. That's extremely high. I don't like that. Low dividend, 0.7% dividend yield. Revenues have decelerated. They were growing in the 20% range in 2016 and 17, and now in the low teens. Last quarter, only 12. So, and technically, it's starting to weaken again. Uh, so, I don't like Visa in, in this market environment. Uh, I actually sold it for, um, well, I won't tell you who I sold it for, but basically, uh, I, I would sell it if it was in any portfolio that came into my management, let's say that, uh, and uh, that happened recently. So I would definitely sell Visa, but if you think the economy is going to keep chugging along and uh, staying strong, then Visa will do fine, but I think it's expensive. I think the chart is weakening along with a lot of other charts, and we're near the ec- end of the economic cycle, so this is not where I would be owning Visa. Thanks for the call, Arvin. That was Visa, symbol is V. So let's talk a little bit about GDP. And this is the total value of a country's goods and services. And this was developed, the the measure was developed really kind of uh, after World War II. But many people are starting to question whether it's a good measure. And I will argue it's not a good measure. And John F. Kennedy said in a speech in 1968 that GDP does not count air pollution, 
sorry, it counts air pollution and cigarette advertising and ambulances to clear our highway, highways of carnage. He continued, GDP does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of our education, or the joy of their play. It does not include the beauty of our poetry or the strength of our marriages, the intelligence of our public debate, or the integrity of our public officials. It measures neither our wit nor our courage, neither our wisdom nor our learning, neither our compassion nor our devotion to our country. It measures everything in short except that which makes life worthwhile. I think that is a fantastic quote. GDP only, counts only things that have any that have value, that can fetch a price, right? So that's how GDP is measured. And it's become a pretty poor measure of how people feel. And for a long time, from 1940s to the 1970s, GDP and wages grew at a similar rate. So it was a good measure of prosperity within the country. But since then, which ironically aligns with the going off the gold standard, giving the Federal Reserve a lot more power, but since then, wage gains for the typical workers have fallen behind GDP growth. More of the benefits of the growth of the economy have cap been captured by the wealthy, particularly the top 1%. This is why we have the 1% debate. This is why income inequality has such a large disparity. Because we're measuring only GDP. And I think we need a new measure. And there's a lot of things out there. But... Start to think about that. Start to push this. This is an important thing to consider going into the next 100 years. GDP should not be used as a measure of how well our country is doing. There are a lot of other factors that do not fetch a price that matter. If you pollute the environment to where we can't live but GDP grows, is that worthwhile? No. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. And I thank you for your loyal support and questions. For podcast listeners, you'll be learning much more about Y Charts. And did you know that you can get free cloud-based Y Chart software trial? It's also uh, also a good di discount if you sign up and buy, and if you mention Invest Talk. Steve and I use Y Charts almost every day. Have a nice evening, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial.